0: Hey y'all, welcome back to Dad Needs to Talk. And today, we're finally going to be diving into 20th Century Boys manga. Let's get to it. is doing alright today. So like I mentioned, we are finally going to be diving into the 20th century boys manga. Now this is a this is a series that has been on my read list for many, many, many years. I don't know what it is, but it's like for some reason you know I've I've attempted to read the first chapter like a few times. Here and there over the years, you know, made it a few pages and, and just was never in the right mood to try it. Well, about a month ago, not long around the time when I started doing this podcast, you know, I had also started buying physical manga for the first time. And so, like I've mentioned before, but for those of y'all that might be listening to this for the first time, one of the first things I bought. Was this first volume of 20th Century Boys. Because for me, I kind of looked at it as like extra incentive to dive in and push myself to give this an honest try. Because now it wasn't just, oh, I found it online. I'm just reading it, you know, on my phone or tablet. It's like, no. I spent money, bought the physical thing, it's here. Let's finally give it a shot. So yeah. Um I guess uh just you know before I kind of get I, I guess I guess I'ma kind of run down like a little bit of just like background on the series in case somebody's listening to this for the first time It's like what the heck is twentieth twentieth century boys. I'll kind of give a brief introduction of the author, you know, Yuri Rand, so on and so forth, um, before giving them my overall general thoughts and then doing, for those of y'all that have listened to my Venice saga read throughs, kind of taking it step by step and kind of going through the chapter and discussing as I kind of go back through the, through the chapters again. So, yeah, so starting off. The author of 20th Century Boys is Naoki Urasawa. Now, you may or may not have heard his name, but there's a chance you've at least heard of some of his previous works. The biggest one, at least the one I think is the biggest one, because I think it's the only one of his series, to my knowledge, that has gotten an actual anime, is Monster this is a psychological thriller that came out. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think was monster before this or after I think monster came out before 20th century boys. Um, let me see. I'm checking real quick. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so actually monster kind of slightly overlapped, uh, 20th, 20th century boys, a little bit timeline wise, but, um, but yeah, but yeah, he he like I said, he did Monster, Pluto, and Master Keaton. Um, it's just a few of like I said, like some of his more prominent works. Um, you know, he's done other stuff before then, he's done other stuff, he's still doing stuff now, so he's been going for about thirty something years being a manga author. Now, as far as like, genre, it's kind of classified in like the mystery science fiction thriller. Um, and the series ran from 1999 to 2006, had 22 volumes total, but what I've been, or what I've been purchasing so far, they did these, uh, kind of, kind of similar thing with how my Venet Saga books were doing double volume editions or two in ones. So what I have or what I just read was the what's the technical name uh, yeah 20th century boys perfect edition volume one so it has volumes one and two of the manga and it covers 21 chapters uh, from what I've noticed these from the from the couple that I've purchased myself most of these have roughly about 20 to 22 chapters average so which is very nice. Um but yeah, so like I said, that's like I said, that's kind of just like a general overview of the author, his previous works and things of that nature. So uh so yeah, so I'm kind of like to so just kind of give my brief thoughts before going into specifics, but overall I really enjoyed this I, and I am super eager to jump into the next one. Like honestly, if, if I if I wasn't dedicated to stopping and doing this podcast, I would have immediately just, Hey, put this book down there. I would have immediately grabbed my second volume and just kept reading because at the beginning it was a little bit slow for me, you know, because I think majority of the manga that I have ever read, have all been mainly more like action focused now, I have watched a variety of anime of all different types, you know, Slice of Life, thrillers, because uh, uh, his other work, Monster, I watched the anime for that. It's freaking awesome, by the way. If you have a chance to find it and watch it, watch Monster, about 70, 80 episodes, psychological thriller, good. So, which is what gave me confidence in purchasing twentieth century books? I'm like, okay, hey, same Arthur, cool. But yeah, but anywho, so yeah, so so me actually reading a thriller, I think, really for the first time or this type of thing for the first time was different. You know, like so like me trying to find the groove and the rhythm and stuff with it because, because like I said, because the the story kind of goes back and forth a couple times through time. So it's kind of a little bit partly with which let me pause right there and actually maybe read a little bit of the, the synopsis about the series before I just continue rambling on. So basically uh, here's the kind of brief summary um, or intro like summary. Humanity having faced extinction at the end of the 20th century would not have entered the new millennium if it weren't for them. In 1969, during their youth, they created a symbol. In 1997, as the coming disaster slowly starts to unfold, that symbol returns. This is the story of a group of boys who try to save the world. So, yeah, that, that's very important for context <laughs> for, for this series. So, So, yeah, so... Yeah, as what I just read implied, this story jumps back and forth in time a couple of times to where, you know, it starts off post the, uh, the, the potential disaster and then it kind of goes to the quote-unquote modern day timeline of the story which is 1997 with the main character, them being adults to 1969 when they were in about middle school, um, I think they were like fifth, sixth grade, somewhere in there. So, uh, so yeah, so like I said, kind of jumps back and forth a little bit, which like I said, first took a little bit of getting used to, but as the story goes along, that makes sense because it's like, okay, hey, something crazy happened in the present time. Then they kind of go back and give some context because As that description said, some stuff that these characters were involved with as kids starts to come back full circle later on in the present day. Because there ends up being a string of murders going on. And at first they seem random, but uh, as you kind of go through, you start to see like, oh, hey, this person that was killed here has some tie with this person over here either like oh they you know this one was the teacher of another you know they work together some other type of connection or whatever and this symbol in the story which is basically basically kind of like a eye in the middle of, in the middle of a hand yeah yeah it's, it's it's like a it's like a picture you know somebody pointing up you know holding up like one finger uh, eye drawn on the back of the hand in the middle of like a in, in the middle of like a eyeball. so that's kind of like the symbol in question. And so this symbol keeps on popping up throughout the story with all these different things that seem to be totally random but they have a strong connection. but uh but yeah, um like I said I, I've of've you know the main character, over these in, over these initial 21 chapters really grew on me. Um, by the way, his name was Kenji. Uh, but he really grew on me a lot from, you know, at the beginning I was kind of like, whatever, who is this dude? To now I'm like, okay, I'm invested in where this is about to go and how he, in his current state, is supposedly going to be somebody that saves the world. So, yeah, like I said, that's just kind of just like a general, my general overall thoughts is, hey, really enjoyed it. Um, Like I said, if you have seen Monster, you might be interested in this. Like I said, just based off of my impressions of this first initial volume um, of, you know, 11 more, I got to go, 10 more, I got to go. But, yeah, like I said, 20th Century Boys, checking out. So, I'm going to take a quick break and then... We're going to dive right into reading this manga. Alright, let's dive into this read-through. So, start off with chapter 1, titled Friends. Kind of start off back in 1973. And we kind of get the narrator saying, I thought something would change. I thought something would change. Something. And basically kind of just you just get like a overview of something going on with some a bunch of kids at the school, some music going on over the loudspeaker and found out that you know somebody's playing rock music. And so the cover or the get this cool color page of a record player and with the caption of for the first time ever, Rock music shook the halls of number four junior high, but nothing changed at all. And yet, you know, like I said, we kind of see, you know, just still just seeing the kids doing the thing across the school with the rock music playing. And we jump ahead to the 21st century in New York as we kind of get this uh, kind of like political figure speaking. Yes, we have survived times of terrible adversity, and opened the door to a new era. Looking back, we have come through two world wars, the threat of annihilation posed by nuclear weapons, the Cold War that split the world into East and West, and with the collapse of the Iron Curtain, numerous regional conflicts. Indeed, humanity was beset by countless crises in the past century, and yet who would have imagined the calamity that was still to come? That's right. We have conquered an unprecedented crisis more terrible than anything ever encountered by the human race in its long history to greet at last the dawn of the 21st century. But we have not forgotten who Was it that permitted us to raise. The curtain on this new millennium. Oh no. For without them. Humanity. Human civilization. Would have perished with the century that has just ended. Ladies and gentlemen. Please stand. And welcome those who have saved. Humanity from certain. Extinction. And so. Behind this you know, political figure, we give, you know, four silhouettes of some guys walking out, you know, assuming that's, you know, the 20th century boys, uh, but we kind of cut away from that to a young lady, you know, started out of her sleep saying that rumbling, it's that rumbling again, something I think, sometimes I think I hear that. And yes, yeah, sometimes I think I hear that earth shaking sound again and get started awake in the middle of night. Even now, no way. It can't be. It can't be that again. As we see a giant, like super giant, shadowy figure with just like two white glowing eyes. As we transition to 1997 with the baby crying. And so, basically, this is where we kind of get our first introduction to our main character. And so, basically, uh, Kenji, at the current state, he is working in basically a convenience store with his mother. Uh, And the baby in question that was crying is basically his niece. Because we learned that his sister... For some unknown reason, just showed up. You know, suddenly came home one day and said, "Please take care of my baby." And then she disappeared, and they haven't seen her since. Now, don't know how long it's been, but I would say it's been under a year because the child still looks fairly young. The on Kenji's back. Um. So so you know maybe like I said like six months to maybe a year tops, but but yeah so. We, uh, like, so we kind of get this general introduction to them, running the store, you know, the mom is, you know, having a fit, and so, kind of going through, so this is where we kind of get our first, uh, look at some detectives coming in, uh, to investigate some stuff, and so, uh, so yeah, so Kenji thinks that they are here in relation to the, Search for his sister, but they said no, they're here on some different business. And so the police asked them if they know about the uh, if basically, if, if one of their deliveries is the uh, Shikishima house. And so, you know, Kenji's like, Yeah, you know, and they asked him the last time he delivered that, he's like, Ah, oh, maybe about two weeks ago. And so, basically they they say that the whole family has gone missing and so you know of course at the time kenji he's only concerned because he's like oh they haven't paid so they just know they just uh you know got the liquor or whatever and dipped without paying and so so yeah so then we have kenji later on that day drive over to the residence to basically go check it out and he notices so you know all the liquor bottles that they had saw them sitting outside so he goes to pick it up and this is when we first kind of encounter this mysterious symbol that will be a constant thing throughout the series so yeah so he notices this weird symbol and he's like what is that symbol you know it looks familiar now we jump back to 1969 as we kind of see Kenji and his friends as kids they've Created a little secret hideout in this kind of like empty looking field and so You know their kids being kids um, And we also kind of get this introduction to where they're hiding or they, they hear some rustling going on and it's these two really large twin boys that are just like going through whacking through the grass, or whatever trying to cause trouble and they're introduced as the evilest twins in history. Yambo and Mabo. And so... Yeah. They... You can just look at them and tell like, okay, yeah, these dudes are... Majorly annoying. So... Man, it say so... Yeah, Kenji and his friends, like, so they're, they're... Doing their things. And for the first time, so one of the friends draws the symbol and he says this is a symbol of our gang and this is the first time we hear this line come up and it's going to be a constant thing again of the kids saying you know this is this this is the symbol for our gang or our group if you know the symbol you're a real friend and then everybody piece a real friend and so and it's kind of funny looking back through this now because i didn't even catch that that was at the beginning of the of this volume because like I said it's as constant as it pops up later on it didn't even dawn, I didn't even remember that it was here at the very beginning but anywho, so then we jump back to 97 as you know Kenji's still staring at the symbol as we kind of change over to this you know auditorium filled with people talking about oh our friend is going to talk today and so somebody's like no he's not talking today What's he gonna do? Oh, he's gonna levitate, and so we have a gentleman just walk out on a stage, and everybody is saying, "Oh, it's our friend. It's our friend." That's the only thing that that's the only thing that they uh, reference him as is our friend, and so he comes out and he supposedly just starts floating in the middle of the stage. Very odd. Don't know what's going on, but underneath his feet on the stage is that same symbol, and so. We transition over to chapter two, titled "Karaoke." So back in ninety-seven again, and we have some detectives discover a body. Where the body is, and I'll say this now because like I said this is a uh, a mystery thriller. This is very gro- gory, sometimes bloody, violent. So just as a heads up. So uh, sorry. So the detectives are like, he's hemorrhaging he's hemorrhaged all the blood in his body. And, you know, it looks like they're inside of a, they're inside of like some type of laboratory area. And so they find out like, okay, who is he? Uh, he's uh, the victim is Kanada Sitaro, 24 years old, graduate student of Ochinamusa Institute of Technology. And so they uh, you know, must've had quite the brain. You know, if he went to that school, and so and so they noticed, or one of the detectives talked about how, you know, how the body is seems like something that, that they heard talked about on TV about a uh, a virus or a disease from Africa that was causing people, you know, to lose all the blood in their bodies. And so, yeah, so then we kind of transitioned over to a wedding going on. And the wedding is... I I dropped the a lot. Okay, okay, so it's uh, Kenji and all his friends at a wedding for one of their, you know, classmates from growing up, whatever. And so... (laughs) We get this funny picture of they picture the guy's face looks like a frog. And at first I was like, I was like, okay, this is about to be a weird series. If there's people with like frog heads, but no, it's just that the guy, uh, looks like a frog. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, so yeah, so that, that's why they kind of drew him like that. And so, yeah, so they are you know congratulating him and his wife. And stuff like that, and then the Kenji them were kind of making fun of, uh, of basically just looking at some you know just uh, childhood memories and stuff, and talking about you know the, I guess a, a inside group joke of the evil the empire of evil frog Dome, and then we jump back to nineteen sixty eight, uh, with the kids playing with like BB guns or something, and the same guy that's now getting married seeing him you know playing with the kids and stuff and so let's see okay so yeah so yeah so yeah it's just just a lot of back and forth of them talking about stuff from the wedding or during the wedding from their childhood and so and so Kenji ends up drawing that symbol that he saw on the wall and asking all his buddies, like, hey, you know, this symbol, it looks familiar. You know, have basically you know, asking if any of them recognize it. Well, they get interrupted by this old lady that basically asks Kenji. It's like, a, they call her a Grammy Okiku from the mortuary. And then she says, she's talking to Kenji. She's like, hey, boy, what about her? This one over here. She's got, she's a good girl huge knockers and showing him this picture of this chick and he's like what and then basically she's just trying to get him hooked up with anybody because he is the only person out of his friend group that is not married and stuff like that and and I think by now you know they're all these guys are maybe like in their uh, early 30s if I remember correctly late 20s early 30s I think early 30s Yeah, 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 that was 69, they They're 97, yeah. So yeah, so early, mid-30s. But anywho, so yeah, so they're talking about being together and stuff and kind of have a flashback to where Kenji has to give a speech at his uh, give a toast at his friend's wedding and he's just talking about how when they were little, their dream was to keep the world safe from evildoers. And well, and he says, and well, you see us now and it's not an impressive sight. I know, but, uh, and then the frog looking dude this night his name is carry on to my, as for carry on anyway, that's at least hope he'll keep his family and the neighborhood safe and sound. As we transition back to the kind of, uh, cult group that I was talking about earlier where the guy was supposedly levitating and then he just says you are dead and then basically let's see he's talking to people and apologies for this because like I said it's a lot of time jumping back and forth around and so so yeah so yeah the guy just kind of just talking to the cult members so we have a couple of the, the detectives again basically discussing the body that they found and this is when we kind of start to see one of the first connections about how they learned that the body that they found uh, was a student of Shikishima which is one of the people from that whole family that's gone missing. And so. And so yeah. So then that chapter pretty much just ends with. Uh, Kenji drunk singing karaoke at the wedding. And then we transition over to chapter three. The boy who bought a guitar. As we get this like really cool kind of like. uh, Comic book doomsday scene with. Aliens invading Earth, the planet getting flooded, and all this other crazy stuff, whatever. And so we jump back to nineteen sixty-nine. Kids are hanging out, listening to the radio. And okay, I guess Jay yeah, he's tuning in looking for a English network. And then they hear the Rolling Stones for the first time. And Basically he gets the song stuck in her head, jump ahead to 1972, got Kenji pretending to play a guitar with the broom um, in front of a bunch of girls in class, they're laughing him and, at him and stuff, and then he goes home asking his mom to buy him a guitar, and so she obviously she says no, and so Kenji ends, ended up saving up his allowance for four months, and then going and buying a guitar. And so this girl he meets is like or his class one is girl classmates or whatever, is like, Oh, you bought a guitar, you know, you've been practicing with it and so basically this is kind of like the starting point that eventually leads to when Kenji is a teenager and we kind of get a brief glimpse at it in nineteen seventy nine of him being part of a band or starting to be starting to be in a band. And so, so yeah, so, just kind of skipping ahead a little bit. Yeah, Kenji coming home from the karaoke, playing with the baby, and then catching up with one of his classmates, actually the same one that kind of first got him into into playing the guitar, and, you know, they're, they're just sharing memories and stuff. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Like, so Sorry for me kind of slowing down and pausing from time to time, but I'm just trying to make sure I'm on the same page with everything. And then, yeah, so then we kind of get another brief glimpse of somebody speaking to the group in the cult thing saying, today I, I have a momentous announcement to make to you all. The world is about to face this final hour very soon. But all of you who are with me, you may be assured that you will be saved. As we transition over to Chapter Four, Snot Rag, and so this is kind of the chapter that really started to connect with me and a lot of these characters. And so, say so, yeah, so. The chapter starts off. Kenji's working. Uh, this guy comes running into the store. Uh, his name is Maro and he tells Kenji to take the paper. And they noticed that one of their childhood friends, uh, whose nickname they call, whose nickname Donkey, was found dead. And then the newspaper read, science teacher commits suicide, jumps from the roof of high school where he taught." And so we flash back once again to them as kids, and we kind of get a little flash, a little history on Donkey. So it says, Donkey's house was tilted, how that many people managed to live in there together, it's something I still can't figure out, and we see like one, two, three, four, five, probably like ten kids. <laughs> and so, uh, the narrator continues. All Donkey's mother ever seemed to do was laundry. No matter how much washing she did, there was always more. Donkey's towel rag was a snot rag, and we kind of get our first little glimpse at Donkey, uh, cute little boy, but constant runny nose. And so we have the freaking, uh, I'm gonna call them tubby twins, uh, picking on poor little donkey, doing all types of like wrestling moves and stuff on the poor kid. And so we have a moment where, let's see, a donkey tries to go and talk to the kids. Of course, you know, kids being mean, you no, know, nobody wants to be around him because his nose is always running. And then. You know, don't want him to touch them with his snot rag and all that stuff. And so, you know, the kids try to take off on their bikes. And so uh, Donkey takes off his shoes and he's like booking it. And so they said when Donkey took off his shoes and ran, he was fast. As we see him keeping up with the kids on their bikes. And so we get to the area where they go to that has a sign that says children may not enter may not go to the gravel pit on their own the gravel pit was an old quarry where rainwater had pooled and made a lake it was very it was a very dangerous place so yeah so the kids they hanging out trying to go fishing and all of a sudden you know donkey shows up he's just watching from a hill you know kids being mean they're like oh we're gonna go somewhere else well when they try to get up and go They, Kenji, and the other boys started sinking into the freaking lake. So, they fucking couldn't catch the bearing. And so, they tell their friend, like, hey, there's a little shop across the street um, that we pass by go and get an adult. The other kid, like, okay, hang on. He tries to jump on his bike, falls over, hurts his leg. And so, Donkey runs over to the shop. There was no adults there, but he found some rope tie the rock to a pole that was nearby. And so he ends up basically saving the kids. And so from that point forward, they said from that day for from that day on, uh, we stopped riding our bikes and ran around with Donkey instead. And so Donkey has sent a final letter to Kenji. And so Kenji gets it. And it says, Dear Kenji, Been a while, hasn't it? Have you been? I'm fine. Sorry to bother you with this, but do you remember this symbol? It pops up again. So, transition to chapter 5, Night in the Science Lab, as Kenji and all the friends are there at Donkey's funeral, and so Whoops. And so, yeah, so they're all there kind of You know, hanging out, talking, reminiscing, and then they have a moment where they kind of think back to a moment where one of the people in their group, uh, basically he needed to go back to the school to do, basically he he was in charge of the class pet, uh, which was some fish, needed to go back in to turn the tank on because he forgot and so back then, basically, there was like a rumor that I don't know what was it. Do 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 do. Yeah, so so yeah, there there was a rumor, or basically, a kid in their class or something, whatever, had died, and then and leading up to it, the kid was very excited about dissecting the fish, and so there was always a story of like a hunt, like like the kid's ghost constantly haunted the school Man, was, so they had to sneak back into the school you know all the other kids was freaked out but Donkey was like hey I don't believe in ghosts I'll go do what y'all need me to do so Donkey sneaks into the school turns the fish tank thing on but he has a moment where he saw something ran and jumped out of the freaking two story window and booked it and he never told them at least not at that moment what he saw and so you know so then you know a lot of them are kind of like okay hey maybe he you know thought that you know hey he jumped out of a two-story window as a kid maybe they thought oh maybe he was trying to do that again as an adult thinking oh you know like i said just trying to you know just trying to have some type of positive thoughts but yeah so and then we kind of end the chapter off with What Donkey saw that night would be revealed much later. But by then, it was far too late. So, jump over to chapter 6. You kind of see this weird, uh, low-cut, shaved dude with glasses and nothing but his tighty-whities dancing or something with copies of that symbol all over his room. And he is... You know, somebody in there is like shouting at him, trying to get his attention. He's telling them them to shut up. He just sits down, put on his headphones, and he thinks back to a meeting he had with the cult to where basically, uh, just kind of skipping ahead a bit, basically they end up giving him an assignment uh, that... Okay, they didn't get to it yet. But basically, he eventually gets an assignment to basically go kill somebody. But, kind of going, jump skipping ahead a bit. So, next we kind of go over to July 20th, 1969. And it's like late at night, Donkey shows up at the house. And so, you know, this, I, and I'm guessing Kenji is the one narrating the story, but he's like, the night of our first day of summer vacation, Donkey came over to our house. Donkey's house apparently didn't have a TV. My sister went to her room soon after, and my dad started to snooze, but we stayed glued to the TV. And basically, they were trying to stay up all night to try to watch the moon landing, the moon landing, with uh, the astronauts, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. Well, move on to the next morning, all the kids, you know, Kendrick fell asleep, all the other kids were like, yo, I stayed up to like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning nothing happened and then donkey comes running out saying like hey they did it they did it one small step for man one john lee for mankind let's do it too let's put a flag on the moon and so kind of this historical thing of like yeah on that day is when uh you know first person got to step on the moon and so one of their friends says, I feel sorry for Collins. And so basically talking about how, you know, I feel sorry for Collins because uh, for the astronaut, Collins because while Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin got to step on the moon, he had to stay in orbit. So skipping back to 97, looks like uh, Kenji went to go visit Donkey's wife and kids. She asked him about the symbol and stuff. And Shows her the letter and basically, you know, he's trying to figure out like, you know, like what was going on. And the only thing she knows is that, you know, he, he hardly ever talked about his job, but he did say a former student was in some kind of trouble, uh, basically that the student had a bad friend or something of that nature. And so, uh, So yeah, so moving on to chapter seven called Softball. And so kind of start off, you know, just donkey running around barefoot. As, you know, Kenji still thinking over everything and going to Okay, he went to the school to try to find some information about the students in question. And so so yeah, so the guy provides some information saying that you know, and basically saying what the detectives have found out that that there is a connection to, uh, to this uh, Shikashima, the this whole family that's gone missing, and so we get you know he flashes to the symbol again, and so he goes to look for uh, another one of the professors, and so the guy at the desk tells him like, well. You know he's out, or basically the help he's looking for, the help he's looking for is going to be out at the softball field. So we see a bunch of people out there playing softball, and the whole team is wearing t-shirts that have that symbol on it. And so Kenji asked them what's going on, and they said that oh they bought them from a, from somebody named Masao. they so told them it was super cheap, and so. So yeah, so they end up in a situation where they're, you know, the game is on the baseball game is on the line. The runners sprained his ankle. They try to get Kenji to sub in. Kenji try to do it in the spirit of donkey. He went barefoot, but nope, he couldn't do it. <laughs> he ends up getting, uh, you know, uh, tagged out in the game, and so. Through this, we also like to kind of get flashes back to the cult where somebody presents the leader with a list of names and he points out a couple specific people and say, reject them. And so we start off chapter eight called digging a hole, looking back at the buzz cut guy with all the symbols in his room, packing up a bag, getting ready to go out. And one of the last things he grabs before he goes is a freaking giant knife. So Kenji ends up seeing him as he's coming out the house, and so Kenji tries to confront him and basically asking, you know, what he knows about Donkey. The guy freaks out and says, you know, I want you to open your mind. You you want to know? Uh, surrender your spirit. You want to know? Take a leap of faith. You want to know, took a bath every day. And he just spouted a bunch of stuff, whatever. And then he just finally sits with a crazy look on his face saying, You want to know, become a friend. And so, Kenji shows him the symbol. like, hey, do you know the symbol? And the guy's like, if you've already reached that symbol, you're just one step away from true friendship. Which is very creepy. <laughs> and then he says, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And so... So yeah, so Kenji comes back to his friends with the symbol, telling them about stuff. And so one of the friends recalls that when they were kids, they buried something back in their old uh, hangout spot. Well, they go to look for it. And of course, freaking, you know, 20 years or however long has passed by. So of course, nothing is going to look the same way it was. So the spot where their hangout originally was is now an apartment complex. Well, luckily, the trees that they uh, buried the the thing under were still there. So they began digging. And so we kind of switch over to seeing another person in the newspaper, uh, founder of popular religious group Stabbed to Death. And so we kind of see the flash of the buzz cut guy just run up to this guy and stab him and then take off. And then the chapter ends with Kenji and his friends digging up their mysterious box from their childhood. And the first thing they see on the cover of the box is the symbol. So jumping over or moving on to chapter nine called Message. And we start off with kind of like a uh, very salacious poster of some, uh, semi-nudie ladies. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so the kids are flashing back to, you know, a time when they were kids and they saw the poster and saying that, you know, for some reason the poster was on the wall right next to the kids hangout at, uh, at Gigi Baba's candy store, uh, so yeah, so the you know, kids being kids, they end up taking a poster and so that along with a bunch of other random stuff, they decide to bury it uh in this box talking about, you know, hey, you know, when uh we can open this can up as grown ups and so so yeah, so So yeah, so present day, the guys open up the canister, and what's in it is a rubber frog, rubber snake, the sexy poster, some manga, and some kind of like comic book drawings, and then a giant copy of the symbol. And so, kind of get some flashes to the cult again, everybody in the crowd saying you know, calling the, the guy our friend. He shows them the newspaper, and he says, you know, this is not the end, but the beginning. In days coming, more and more false messiahs shall be rejected. The cosmos has begun choosing who are true friends. A time of destruction and rebirth is upon us now. And so... So, yeah, so, flashback to the kids, burying the box, and so... Them saying, and one of them saying, the day we th- we dig this up, the Earth will be facing a terrible crisis. It'll be time for us to pre- protect this planet from the enemy. Yeah. And so they realize, so they start to remember that, you know, what they said the day we did this up, it'll be time to protect this planet from the enemy. Are we today the kind of adults we dreamed of becoming back then our or our? Or would our childhood themselves just look at us now and laugh? As we transition over to chapter 10, titled Yakuji. Yeah, Yakuji. Yakuji. Uh, So, yeah, so we see a couple ladies sitting down in in present day 97 having lunch. One of them has a picture of the symbol on a napkin. Asking the other lady, like, hey, you know, what's up with this? And basically saying that, you know, they're trying, basically they're trying to figure out what's going on with this organization. And so, Yakuji, she's going on, basically find out she's talking about her, her uh, service dog she has. Because at first, it sounded like she was talking about a guy. Because talking about how, you know, he had a nasty habit of sticking his face in her crotch and licking her every day and then saying, if I don't watch it, he goes and pees on me too, and if he gets horny, he starts humping my leg in public I wish I could dump him, that stupid dog (laughs) and so, yeah, so I found that was kind of funny that, you know, she was going on and on and her friend thought she was talking about a real dude, but no, and so, so yeah, so We go back and we finally kind of get a a glimpse at uh, somebody, uh, the guy that was on stage talking. And so, uh, let's see. And so, yeah, so basically then somebody's like, you know, they uh, basically went and did what they were requested to do. And so, let's see. Going back. Alright. And so yeah, so so basically it's the next morning. Kenji and his friends are seeing their one buddy off. He was heading back overseas for work. And as they're leaving the airport, a freaking dog comes up and just starts biting and humping Kenji. And it is that same lady, Yakuji again. And then basically this is when we kind of start to learn as we transition to to chapter 11 titled Amiability that she was one of their childhood friends. And so basically we see the two uh, jerk twins uh, picking on the poor kid and she comes in and deals with them. So the dialogue we got was, you know, the evilest twins in history, Yambo and Mabo. Back then my friends and I were totally at their mercy. Cruel, savage, heartless, brutal, heinous, diabolical. I could keep piling on the adjectives, but you get the idea. Worst of all, it was always dished out as double as a double portion. However, there was one person and one person only who could beat the crap out of them, and she was something else the strongest girl that ever lived, Yakuji. So yeah, so they all, like, they all run into each other. Her dog is humping freaking Kenji. And so, they're catching up. They show her the symbol. Basically, she doesn't want to be seen with them because she's embarrassed. So, go back to where the other lady she was with earlier, who I forgot to mention was was a detective. They meet with basically like this one of the hey guys from the cult and so they're asking him all these questions and stuff and so they're like so they're asking about the about the group and stuff and let's see uh, let's see our friend does not in any way restrain or confine those, okay? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because I forget that there was, you know, a lot of the followers, you know, obviously their pet, their families, parents, loved ones, siblings are concerned because all these people, you know, are going to this cult, and so this guy's basically like, Hey, we're not holding anybody hostage, people are free to kind of come and go as they please, and so the guy eventually leaves, but they notice when he left. All the spoons on the table were bent and twisted. So this was kind of the first time I was like, I was like "Okay, we are about to get into like some like supernatural stuff going on," which may be the case. But uh, but yeah, and so we kind of you know go back over to uh, Kenji at his store, and Yakuji comes you know came over to came by to visit him, uh, and then. She mentions about who might have came up with the symbol as we transition to chapter 12, titled Ocho. And so, you know, she talks to Kenji about, you know, the symbol and saying, you know, who invented it. And she said it was Ocho. And then, you know, we kind of flashback to them as kids again, seeing him saying, if you know the symbol, you're a real friend. And so Kenji's freaking out as the, basically one of the executives from the franchise that he works for, for the convenience store franchise he works for, whatever comes in. And so, and so, yeah, so basically as she's leaving, Yakuji invites him basically to, to come by and speak to a law firm about the situation and so so yeah so she leaves and he flashes back to you know her beating up the twins again when they were kids and then there was a moment where you know they challenged her they were picking on her and so he came to her rescue um even though he pretty much got his butt beat but um and so yeah so we go back to yakuji talking to the detective lady Asking if, you know, basically if, if they found anything else about, uh, hold on, do-do-do-do-do, victims, a lot of people showed up for this victims group of yours, um, and all of them have lost sons or daughters to that weird cult, did you find it about Ocjo and then she says, well, um, his present whereabouts are, are unknown, but, uh there was a news article from nine years ago about uh the missing trading company man is your old buddy Akcho. And so it says the yeah Japanese trading company man goes missing in Thailand. and so it says he's been missing ever since and then she says nah that time they found him a week later. But it was never reported what happened to him during that week. He quit his job right after this. And he had a wife and child here in Japan. But about a month before the incident, they got divorced. And they said, what did he do after he quit? Uh, The truck goes cold after that. And then she said, "No, no, Yakuji is saying she can't believe it was him. And so, so yeah, so they ended up waiting for Kenji to show up but he never did and so so yeah so moving on and then yeah so moving on to chapter 13 titled Chosan and I'm going to take a quick break here before we transition all right, continuing on with chapter thirteen, titled Chosan. Hey man, this, uh, this is where like things like truly, truly like really started clicking on me because uh, I'll get to it, but yeah, what's what's about to happen to Chosan, Like really, really sad, but uh, but yeah, so Chosan, Basically, we see him speaking on the phone with uh, I'm guessing guessing his son in law. And so, basically, trying to get ideas for his grandson's birthday. And his grandson is wanting a -a (laughs) peekaboo. And he's like, a -a peekaboo? What is that? The guy or whoever on the phone is basically like, hey, you know, it's uh, based off of a a popular anime series, you know, the kids are into these days. And so, you know, so basically, the guy or whoever's on the phone with him is like, hey, Chosan you know, come live with us, please meet with Yumiko, his daughter, um, wants to talk it over, and then, you know, San is like, nah, you know, I'm kind of used to living alone like this, and then, and then it's the grand, he, then the guy says, you know, that his grandson says he wants to live with Grampy, and so he just says, tell Cho-hei, Chan, his grandson, to look forward to his present from me, will you? And then we see him, you know, kneel down in front of a picture of what we would later find out was his wife. So, yeah, so Choson is heading out, runs into a colleague. They sit down for some coffee and quick lunch as they begin discussing the case. And so the other detective mentions that Choson's retirement is coming up. And that basically, you know, he's about to be retired within a week's time. And so Choson is basically going over the, the details saying like, hey, you know, there's no way I'm going to, you know, this case isn't going to get wrapped up within the next week. And so the other the other detective tells him like, well, that original body that they found is being studied at a university because it seems like it was more of a, you know, a. Uh, disease thing so it's kind of out of their area of expertise and so Chosan still has kind of his gut instinct saying you know uh, maybe it's you know uh, it may not be a criminal case or maybe it's a case too huge it will blow us out the water and he says crazy times after all we could be dealing with biological weapons and so Chosan shows him a picture of the symbol and all the different places he's seen it from the door of the missing family to these people's shirt at the baseball game. So on and so forth. And so. So, yeah, so he tells him that he went to a uh, expert in cults, And so they talk about that. And so. So, yeah, so then, he you know, he went to talk to the guy or some people from the uh, other cult of the guy that got stabbed and so basically he continues to follow this paper trail that eventually eventually leads him to a small warehouse close to the Shikishima residence, the family that went missing he asked somebody a lady nearby, I was like oh yeah did she know what happened or what was up with that place before it turned into a warehouse and she was like oh yeah about 15 years ago you know there was a family and they had a son that was old enough to be basically the age of who he's looking for. And so she basically points him in the direction of the elementary school he went to. And this is kind of where more dots started getting connected to where Chosan discovers that, you know, the person that they're looking for went to school with Kenji, who is the person that he met at the convenience store in chapter one for us. So, so, yeah, so Chosan still like talking to the other detective. And then switch over to chapter 14, titled san And Chosan saying, or the, the, the narrator saying, you know, they were in the same class. They were pictured in the same graduation photo. This friend guy and Endo Kenji. And then he's running back to the convenience store. And so, you know, Chosan basically tells the other guy like, well, he wanted to ask Kenji some stuff. But Kenji was swamped. With the uh, executive guy from the company, and so Choson gets a phone call, uh, basically from his grandson or from the family saying, like, hey, you know, uh, basically telling him it's almost time for the birthday party, and so, so yeah, so you know, Chosan gets ready to head off to. You know, to to the thing, but he tells the guy, or he tells the other detective that you know, um, you know, it's it's his grandson's birthday today, and the other guy's like, oh, that's what the toy is for, and so, uh, and so the guy's like, oh, you're heading up to your daughter's after that, and so this will start to get more backstory on Cho as he says, well, it doesn't quite work like that. And he's like, my daughter Yumiko and I, we don't get along all that well. And then, you know, the other guy's like, okay, what's the matter? And she, he was like, well, this is one case. This is one case. I'm having a hard time solving. And then basically he kind of goes runs on the history of like how, you know, one time there was, a, there was a track and field day at school, but he got there two hours late and the whole thing was over then his daughter's wedding he was three hours late by the time he got there you know obviously he didn't not only did he not get to walk her down the aisle but he missed the whole reception and she was already out of changing out of her wedding dress by the time he got there and then the final you know thing was you know he got the call that saying that his wife was dying but i got to the uh, i got to the hospital four hours late and he said yumiko um, basically his daughter hadn't spoken to him since because by the time he got there, his wife was already dead. And so, so yeah, so the guy was like, hey, you know, work, basically work and wait. And then cho was like, hey, I'm returning in a week. You know, he's like, you know, you're looking at a hopeless idiot who spent his whole damn life thinking work was all that mattered. And that idiot is telling you now, with a gut with the gut feeling that comes from a lifetime of this that this case is going to turn into something seriously scary. in fact, it may already have and that's why I want you to take it over from there. And so so yeah, so you know we kind of continue on as Cho San talks about some different stuff about how he spoke with a uh, a former teacher of the kids. And the only thing the teacher mentioned was, you know, uh, you know, the class of 71. And then there was a spoon bending incident where every single spoon used at lunchtime one day was suddenly was completely bent out of shape. And then. And so in the middle of the discussion, uh, Choson gets a phone call from his daughter saying like, hey, you know, We're about to start Shohei's birthday. Come quick. And then he asks, is that okay? And she's like, hey, you know, if you're no more than an hour late, I'll forgive you. So just come quick. And he starts to cry and say, you know, okay, he's heading out. So as he's heading out, the other other detective kind of gives him like a pat on like his, you know, on his back slash, you know, back of his neck. And... What's about to transpire was very sad, but you know, the guy's like, Oh, hey, you know, come on, it'll work out just fine. You know, he's like, I'm very sorry, this situation is a result of things I've said and done. You know, say yes. uh, Oh, and so this is the the detective talking on the phone as Chosan is walking headed towards his grandson's birthday party, and the guy's like, Yes, he found out too much information. Had I, had I become a friend sooner, none of this would have happened. Yes, I took the responsibility of rejecting him. As we see Chosan touch the back of his neck. And we see like a big like bump on the back of his neck. As Chosan's hands is bleeding. And unfortunately Chosan spits up blood. And he just collapses in the middle of the freaking street. And just dies. As the other detective you know, changes his shirt to reveal that he has a shirt with the freaking symbol on it. So, yeah, then we get the freaking newspaper saying, you know, detective found dead just one week before retirement. And so we get more narration of, at the time, now this is Kenji, at the time, I had no idea whatsoever that stuff like this was happening. And so, yeah, moving over to chapter 15 humanity's final hour as we see uh, uh, Yakuji getting bullied by the two guys Kenji coming in saving her and she comes back to the convenience store uh, in present day to talk to him and basically inviting him to they're doing like a uh, a middle school class reunion so it's like 25 years later but they everybody missed the previous year so basically she's tasking kenji with uh trying to put the thing together and she's also wanted to use this as an opportunity to get everybody together to try to basically get information for the case and so Okay, so 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 she basically gives him the rundown of you know the person that they're trying to find their old their old friend Acho about how you know she says you know he quit the company. Um, let's see, uh, he was working for a trading corporation, had an accident in Thailand and went missing for a week. He quit the company right after that. Well, I wanted to know where he went, so I asked around. A guy at a rival trading company who was in Thailand at the time said said that uh, about eight years ago, he ran into the guy in India and he said that, you know, when he first saw him, he doubted his own eyes that it could be him because he looked totally different. And so we get a shot of the guy saying, uh, Akcho saying, I'm going to Tibet. And so, so yeah, so they're finishing planning up their reunion thing. And so basically Yakuji is telling him like, hey, you know, basically don't make excuses or uh, making excuses is something that Shining Knight in Armor never does. as she keeps thinking back to that time where he saved her. And so, and so, yeah, so then. You know, she's also asking like why he quit playing the guitar. He's trying to figure out why. And so, we basically kind of get a real villain moment where the cult leader. You know, everybody's asking. You know, uh, you know, like what is the aim of the group or whatever. And the dude simply says, "World domination, my friends." And then we end with the text, in December 2000, humanity will meet its final hour. So, chapter 16, Kami-sama. As we basically see a group of kind of like homeless guys, one of them wakes up screaming. And so, I I freaking like, by the time I finish this chapter, I freaking loved this dude already. But basically, uh, I'm kind of fast forward a little bit through some of this stuff. I know I'm going a bit long but basically this Kami-sama guy, uh, apparently he has dreams of stuff that's to come. And so, and so, uh, so yeah, so he ends up going into uh, Kenji's store. And actually before he does that, he tells some of the other homeless people, like, hey, watch out for kids today. And they're like, what do you mean? So he runs into Kenji and he says Oh, uh, let me see, what did he say? Uh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. He saw some food, said his pets he tried to send his pets a sale date, and he ends up uh, basically just walking out and taking it. <laughs> but, you know, him and the little baby has a little have a little special bond together. And so And so, the guys are asking him, like, what did he ever dream about? And so, saying that, uh, that, uh, do-do-do-do-do, something hairy is going to happen, but we'll be fine, no matter what happens, our life isn't going to change much, um, and he says it's already started sooner than I thought, or somebody comes screaming, help, help. And then, basically, somebody says that a bunch of kids or at the park and some a bunch of kids are beating up on the freaking other homeless guy, calling him a hobo and all these other mean things. And so Kami San pops up and he starts telling these kids all these crazy things of like of like uh of basically how all this stuff that nobody else will know. So he starts coming, he's like, he's like, which one of you is Fumiya Fumiya? And one's like, what do you want? Why? And he's like, "Uh, ate out again today, huh? Burgers? That's all you've ever eaten for dinner since grade school. Your mama's waiting for you with a warm cooked meal. And he's like, which one's Koichi? And he's like, stealing money from your folks and spending it all in game centers. You know what they're working. You know what they're working so hard to save that money for your education. And so, yeah, so they basically, you know, he keeps going or whatever. ends so up spooking the kids. They leave, and so, you know, the guy that got beat up was like, "You were right again. You tell me to watch out for kids." So, yeah, so they end up going home. Next morning, he has another crazy dream, and he's like, "Okay, same dream. I can't tell the others about this. It's too terrifying. Better they don't know that that a huge monster is going to appear." As we once again get December 2000 humanity will meet its final hour the giant shadowy figure with the two glowing eyes and so we get to chapter 17 which is probably one of my favorite ones because we start to get into uh Kenji's daughter and chapter 17 is called uh Kiriko's death drawer which that's his sister and so he basically has a flashback to a time where he felt like he was about to drown and his sister is toting him on her back, piggyback style. And so, real quick, I just want to say right here. So, this image of Kenji and his sister, honestly, really hit me hard and did th- this whole bit with his sister in general. Because it truly brought me back memories of my sister. Um, and real quick, for those who don't know. My older sister unfortunately passed away this October 2020. So, you know, stuff like this, obviously, you know, his, you know, very special place in my heart. Just seeing uh between this and the next couple of chapters, like seeing their bond and their relationship about how basically she, you know, was always there for him and always cared for him. And so uh so yeah, so love that. So We skip, you know, back to present day, the executive dude is in the shop again, and he says, I figured out why your sales won't go up, and then he's blaming it on the baby. Basically, he's not even calling it a baby, he's just saying that thing, that thing on your back is scaring off customers, and basically gives him the ultimatum of like, hey, either you put that child in daycare or something, or we will cancel your contract with the company. So of course, you know Kenji and his mom have a talk later that night about like what we're we gonna do. We can't really, we barely able to stay afloat now, let alone can't afford a freaking babysitter. And so, and so Kenji walks into his sister. He's walking to his sister room with with the baby, and so has a flashback to his sister again about her helping him getting out the water and then again to another time where she helped him after he had a bad motorcycle accident and so and so yeah so she's there caring for him at, for him at the hospital now we get a little narration where he says you know on that same day the university my sister wanted to get into was holding its entrance exams but I didn't know that until way later and so you know, so probably you know, a little bit of uh, guilt there of, you know, potentially maybe being a cause for his sister not being able to get into school. And so he's talking, to, he's talking to the baby about, you know, maybe what your mama really wanted was to go to school to study mosquitoes or something. And so he's looking at letters in her desk drawer and then, you know, looking at one where, you know, uh, this guy had asked, you know, his sister to marry her, him. And the letter was like, you know, dear Kiriko, it was a great shock to me to have you turn down my proposal of marriage, but I understand your, your reason very well. I can understand that with your father gone, you feel your mother needs you there to help run your family business. So please accept this last, these last words from me before I vanish from your life. I wish you every happiness. And so Kenji's, you know, thinking back to, you know, Flashes of him in the band. Playing the guitar. And so thinking back how to how the only time, you know, his sister has ever asked for something was when she asked for them to take care of the baby. And so, so yeah, so uh, Kenji's about to close up the drawer. And he notices a letter stuck to the, stuck in the top of the drawer and opens it up and unlike the rest of the letters that are handwritten, this one is typed out from a computer and it says, so your plan and my plan turned out to be the same plan to be the same. How marvelous that I was able to meet someone with the same plan as mine. And then falling out of the envelope was a copy of the symbol. So moving on to chapter 18 titled Kiriko's boyfriend. As we start off with a flashback to uh, Kenji them's father's funeral And freaking, he was a freaking punk back then saying, you know, what Paul did, it's a crucial time for my band right now. I'm not taking over the store, you know. uh, And so the sister's like, you know, what are you going on about? Just leave the store to me. All right. And so. See Kenji, you know, walking home constantly, he sees this electric guitar for twenty six thousand yen. To me at the time, in the third year, the third year of junior high, it was an astronomical astronomical figure. If only I had this, I'd be invincible. If only this weapon were mine. Yep, my sister had quite a lot to do with me ending up in a rock band. And so he's looking at the symbol, wondering like why his sister had a, had that in the letter. And so say so. Yeah, so she, uh, Kenji ends up asking his mom, is like, you know, why sis always take such good care of me? And then the mom is like, well, that's because, uh, before you were born, and they have a flashback to 1959, so 10 years before uh, Kenji was born. So, uh, so yeah, so basically, come to find out, basically, the dad, I guess, gambled or something, but lost all of their money. And so that was right around the time where the mom just found out that she was pregnant with the baby. And then they're like, well, she was like, how am I supposed to raise two children if we're penniless? And then he's like, well, I guess we have no choice. You know, we'll be working long, long, hard hours again. And then that's when uh, Kiriko speaks up and is like, I'll be the baby's mommy. I'll be the baby's mommy. And... Yeah, that's where led to that bond. And that that's honestly speaking again, uh not not the same situation, but because of the age gap between me and my sister, she was also kind of like another like motherly figure for me because it's it was it's 13 years between me and my sister, so yeah. So lots of good memories there. But uh, but yeah, so Kenji's thinking on, and so he thinks back to when basically his sister is the one that bought him the guitar, and so she basically is like, is like you know, there was a guy from school that's really rich, and she, uh, she, he took her out on a date I guess, and then she got him to get him to get that guitar, and so she gave that to Kenji for his gift. And so Kenji rushes with holding the guitar like in the mirror saying, there I was reflected in the glass. I saw a guy holding a machine gun and he was totally invincible. So switch back to the freaking convenience store. Executive dude coming back, talking about, you know, did you give it much thought? Not that there's much to think about. If your sales stay as sluggish as they are, you know, we'll have to enter our contract with you. And so saying, however, uh you tackle the source of the problem and get rid of that load on your back. And this was the moment where my respect for Kenji went through the roof to where he straight up tells to tell do. he's like talking about the baby, his niece, that's on his back is she's not a load, she's not an object. And then the guy's like, What are you trying to say, Mr. Endo? And he says, Her name is Kana. She's not a thing. I'll increase our sales. I'll work myself to the bone. Then if you still want to cancel our contract, go ahead. This is my sister's baby. And until my sister comes back, I'm raising her. And give this man the glare. And then he's like, alright, you've made your point. I'll go back to headquarters for consideration. And so, so yeah, so. Uh, then the mom uh kenji is asking the mom about that letter he found this typed up saying any idea who sent it and then she says well i know i don't know um and she talks about one guy named uh Morohoshi that he always wrote his letters like a real gentleman and he's he, and then she said you probably didn't know this but kiriko and him were pretty close to getting married such a good match too instead of which uh, what does she do? Get knocked up by some guy? We don't. We know nothing about. It's a real pity he died. Such a good man. He's like he died, and she's like, yeah, he jumped in front of a train. Though he really wasn't the type to do something like that. And he said nobody could believe it when it happened. In fact, some people, uh, were saying he must have been pushed from behind. As we get chapter nineteen, the man behind. As we see. Uh, the Morohoshi-san guy coming to talk to uh, Kiroku and basically just telling her that you know he's been transferred uh, for work-wise, and he's leaving the day for tomorrow, and the place he's going to is very far. And so he tells her that he has you know reserved a seat for her, and that he'll be waiting if she wants to come. And then he says, "I'll always be waiting for you," as he has off So this is where we see him at the train station. And we learned that yes, he indeed did get pushed from behind. And basically it looks like this is a younger version of the guy that appears to be bending spoons and stuff, I think. And so so yeah, so he does that and he does this during freaking rush hour too. And so of course, people being freaking biggest assholes in the world, all talking about like, uh, oh, I got an important meeting I gotta be to, I gotta I got a test I got to take for my exam, this sucks, yada, yada, yada. And so the guy that uh, pushed the dude in front of the train speaks to this young lady that happens to be there and, you know, tries to hit it off with her. He keeps on popping up behind her in different places and they run into each other again. And then he basically ends up smooth talking her, takes her on a little, on a little lunch date and so then we see him talking with. Okay, okay, okay. Actually, this isn't the spoon guy. But basically, so uh, talking with the spoon cult leader, dude, or whatever, one of the cult executives, uh, talking about how, you know, becoming a true friend is a thousand, a thousand times harder. Uh, and talking about how the lady, the young lady, would be uh, vulnerable right now. She lost a man. She just loved. Oh, talking about. Freaking Kenji's sister. And so women like that are the easiest. Trust me. Um, And so. Do 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 do. And so so basically the poor dude. Talking about how you know. uh, The the executive dude. Is like hey that took a lot of courage to do. And the guy's like no it didn't. And the guy's like a train station at rush hour. And the guy's like I just gave him a little shove. And he said not many people. Could have done that. Um, Not even for their friend. And the guy was like, Well, I've always wanted to be a killer. And he said, The good guys are always so square, you know, all those gung ho TV and manga heroes. The bad guys are the cool ones. And so the guy's like, Hey, you know, the bad guys usually get killed in the end. The guy, and then this other dude is like, Well, uh, this isn't TV, this is reality. As you know, like I said, he's starting to kind of uh, kiss up to this girl. And basically, this is where we start to see, like I said, more threads connecting. Apparently, she is the one; she is the daughter of Shikishima, Professor Shikishima, which is one of the people or this whole family that's gone missing from the beginning of the volume. And so, so yeah, so once again, we get the giant shadowy. Figure thing looming as we end the chapter off with uh, the uh, unidentified object is now heading towards Shinjuku. Close off Kosho Highway and Meiji Avenue. We're on maximum security alert. We need more people. Send reinforcements ASAP. December 2000. So jump back to 1967. Uh, Kenji and his sister kind of having a uh, chapter 20 called The Prophet having a little uh little snack at little coffee shops uh, titled a uh, San Francisco or Coffee Shop San Francisco and so they had just went to go see a Godzilla movie they're talking about that and so doo 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 and so uh so yeah so then we get another newspaper clipping talking about how you know, U.S. gripped with fear. Over 50 dead with dead with uh, death toll rising. Uh, mystery microbe hit San Francisco. And so, uh, sorry, so Kenji's working his butt off. We s- switch over back to the, uh, to the homeless guys as we see them checking out that there is somebody bleeding hiding out in one of their tents. And then basically they're, they're, they're like hey you know let's call for help for an ambulance and the guy's like no you know don't um he said i'm looking for kenji the great kenji and so uh kami-san shows up and he's like oh the fellow from the king mart and he says so he's being summoned to action after all and then the other guys are like wait you dream this would happen and he's like sort of i don't think that guy's up to the test, though talking about Kenji. So yeah, so basically they end up going to the convenience store and kami uh, son and another dude scheme and you know steal something, get Kenji to chase them all the way from the store down to the little sleeping area, and then show them, showing they show him the guy that's hurt, and then the dude is like, was like you. This dopey looking clown is basically supposed to be Kenji, and he's like, uh, you know, could a guy like you really be the great prophet? I risked my life to escape from there to let you know. Talking like from to escaping the cult, and he's like, what? What's he gonna do next? I'm asking you what comes next. They scattered germs all over San, Frans- San Francisco. What's next? And then Kenji's like, I don't understand. And then the dude's like, don't play down with me. I believe for a long time, I believed it was a wonderful group. But I started to see just how out of control, you know, he's he's out of control. You have to stop him before it's too late. Friend is serious. He's trying to destroy the world. And then the guy basically, you know, Kenji's like, so who exactly is this friend? And then the guy's like, you know who it is. You know everything. And he's like, it's all your idea. You came up with it. And he's like, this is all something you thought up when when you were a kid. So, he's flashback for chapter 21, titled, Open Your Eyes. And I, I, I only thought of just freaking uh, Yukio, the meme of, uh, Open Your Mind, Kaiba! <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so there, you know, them as kids. And then, you know, like I said, 1969... And they're talking about uh about a uh basically League of Villains group and talking about you know they would take over the world. Yeah, I guess it'll be about world domination. You could do another kid's like, yeah, you could do whatever if we were villains. And so so, so basically they start like figuring out like thinking like different ideas for villains and stuff, and so they come up with the idea of, like, well, if they were villains, you know, instead of using bombs they use germ warfare and then uh kenji's like yeah my sister says there's all types of scary germs out there and then and then uh they basically started drawing up the plants like okay hey if we were doing if we were and we were doing this where would we hit and then kenji says oh san francisco and then the other guys are like uh or basically the other guys was like hey you know uh Okay, yeah, the other kid's are like, hey, where do, where would the attack start? Tokyo? And then Kenji's like, no, Tokyo's last. The story takes place in Japan. If they attack Tokyo first, the whole thing's over already. And he's, then that's when he thought of San Francisco. And because of the coffee shop they went to, and then the guy's like, and then flashing back to the present, the guy's like, where is next? You thought this up as a kid. Where are they going to scatter the germs next? And then the guy and the Kenji thinks back to his childhood where next to the coffee shop, San Francisco, there was a bar called London. And then Kenji says, London. And then he was like, and then so the bleeding guy's like, so it was you, you're the one. And he's like, you came up with it. How else would you know it's London? Why would it be London? And he's like, I can't, Kenji's like, I can't tell you it's too stupid. And the other guy's like, well, hey, here I also have this laser gun, <laughs> you know, it's just a prototype, but, uh, but yeah, and so then, you know, Kenji obviously he's feeling puzzled and confused. I'm like, it's not me, you know, and then he's like, you know, who is this friend of yours? And then, uh, and then he says the name Akcho. And the dude is like, I don't know. He only refers to to himself as friend. And then he says, we believed he was a true prophet, the true savior. But ever since that night, my doubt started spreading like a stain. And then Kenji's like, that night, and he's like, you know, the stain kept growing bigger and bigger. Would a person who's about to die tell a lie? I I started wondering if myself, what he said was true. And then he says, you know, before I pushed him over, and then this is where we find out that this guy freaking pushed Donkey off the roof. And then we go back to where, you know, Donkey's talking to him, talking about you're being deceived. Your friend is no savior. And then basically Donkey is saying, you know, all of it was thought of by Kenji when we were kids. And he's like, open your... And then he falls down. Kenji's about to beat the brakes off this dude. And then the guy's like, you're the only one who can stop him. Don't go to the cops. There are friends inside the police. As we saw earlier, rest in peace Chosan. And then he hands him a letter saying, this is a message from Donkey. You're the only one who can save the world. As we finish off volume one of uh of the 20th century boys perfect edition. Like I said, man, like wow. You know. Wow, wow, wow. Uh yeah. Yeah, man. So yeah, so kind of just just uh, kind of just closing thoughts. Like I said, um yeah, that It like I said, it really hooked me. Like by the time I probably hit, like like probably by the time I hit like midway, where you know, like I said, we started kind of getting more connections between all the different elements and stuff. You know, with the you know with them finding their old box that they buried as kids, and you know, and all that stuff to. You know when Cho the Chosan chapter when Yakuji uh, met started meeting back up with the gang. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was definitely about the first half. It's so about like chapter ten or eleven. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely when it like really started getting its, its hooks in me. But um, but yeah, like I said, like like a- after seeing how uh, Kenji stood up for his niece towards the end of this volume against that uh, against that corporate executive dude. Respect through the roof for you, man. And then, um, yeah, like I said, it, it, it's definitely got me, it's definitely got his hooks in me now. So I am very eager to jump into volume two. I'll probably give myself a day, maybe, or a couple of days to try to decompress, you know, collect my thoughts before I just, yeah, just super dive into the next one. But, yeah, th- this is a uh, really good, a really strong start. Um, like I said, knowing that I have a pretty long journey ahead of me, um, which which I guess in comparison that I think about it, because, Mo- like I said, Monster was pretty long. Um, cause like I said, it was like 70, 80 episodes. So, you know, I don't know how many volumes Monster was. Hold on, let me look. Okay, yeah, Monster was eighteen volumes. So, yeah, just like a few short of Twentieth Century Boys. So, oof. So yeah. So I'm definitely in for for a long, crazy ride. I can already tell. But I'm, I'm like, so I'm excited to have finally gotten this first volume under my belt. Um, Like I said, it's like I said, it's been something I've been wanted to do for years um or or at least like kind of like been like a little bit interested in because the name has always stuck out to me you know 20th 20th century boys but then like i said especially in the last couple of years when i had finally watched monster like i said maybe two years ago i think or less um it was like okay i really need to get on this and so i'm so far, I can say, hey, after volume one so far, I am happy I did. Um, 21 chapters in, I am excited to see what goes next. Um, I can only imagine like, what other crazy stuff, deaths, um, potential sadness. Because like I said, like like I fell in love with uh, Donkey. Like I said, after his first introductory chapter, same thing with Chosan. Like, he freaking... Uh, even though he was kind of there a little bit at the beginning, but seeing him that one particular chapter, learning about his family, the struggle he, you know, he's living with after, you know, putting his career before his family and stuff for so many years. So now right when he was finally had the opportunity to try to bond and build with his daughter and try to, make those connections, see his grandson and stuff, gets taken out because he knew too much and it sucks because it's like, man, he's a good detective, clearly too good because they had to take him out, but it's like, man, you're one week from retirement, you're on the cusp of probably one of the biggest you know, uh, cases in history, you know, and then it just it it just sucks, very sad. And like I said, him him getting uh taken out like that. But like I said, I am very eager and curious to see all this stuff kind of like I said wrap back around. And yeah, it, it's just like like I said, just just the introductory of you know the theme of the rock music, and then. I'm going I'm to I'm read, you know, I know I read it, but I just got to read this, like, introductory thing one, one last time. You know, the, the, 20, the, the 21st century. Yes, we have survived times of terrible adversity and opened the door to a new era. Looking back, we have come through two world wars. The threat of annihilation posed by nuclear weapons. The Cold War that split the world into East and West. And with the collapse of the Iron Curtain, numerous regional conflicts indeed humanity was beset by countless crises in this past century and yet who could have imagined the calamity that was still to come that's right we have conquered an unprecedented crisis more terrible than anything ever encountered by the human race in its long history to greet at last to greet at last the dawn of the 21st century but we have not forgotten who it was who permitted us to raise the curtains on this new millennia? Oh no, for without them, human civilization would have perished with the century just that has just ended. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome those who saved humanity from certain extinction. As we have the boys coming out, so, so yeah, so like I said, sorry, I I just, I just had to get that in one last time, but uh, but yeah. Like I said, rest in peace, Cho Rest in peace, Donkey. Ain't no telling who else they're gonna introduce. Maybe fall in love within a chapter, and then kind of find out, oh, well, he's dead too, or she's dead too. Um, I, I, I look forward to hopefully finding out, you know, more about his sister. Is his sister part of the cult? Hopefully, she's she's still alive, so they so she can eventually maybe reunite with the baby. Hoping nothing happens to his to the baby, that happens to his mother. Ugh. because like I said think about how some stuff played out in Monster almost nobody was safe in Monster so Ugh. but we'll see so uh, yeah gonna head on to the wrap up alright and that'll do it for the first of many 20th Century Boy uh, volume read throughs so yeah, um, doing another late night ones for you, 1:05 a.m. But hey, it is what it is. I had, I had to talk about this immediately after I read it. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, you know, whether you're a returning listener, new listener, that might have found me because of 20th Century Boys specifically, welcome. Uh, I didn't state at the beginning of the show. My name is Robert, by the way bad habit of doing that but hey it is what it is um, yeah uh, if you want to f- continue to follow me you know, make sure to you know follow the podcast add it to your podcast feed Spotify or whatever the case may be but you can find me you can find everything centralized at my website dadneedstotalk.com you can follow me on the podcast website at talk personal website my personal twitter uh master at mastermind rob seven uh thanks as always to rifty beats for the music and yeah like i said just you know, brief like i said in case somebody's listening to this for the first time um i cover manga anime general tv series um video games and some uh, life lessons, life discussions. So, yeah, if any of that sounds good, and you're new, stay tuned. You know, we're just kind of getting started on this on this adventure, but I feel we have a uh, a solid foundation laid, and lots of cool stuff to look forward to. You know, like I said, I'm doing this. Uh, I've also been doing a villain saga read through, and. I've got lots of other comic books and manga and stuff lined up as well anime i'm behind on so yeah lots of fun stuff to look forward to so yeah just just stay tuned to dad needs to talk and that's pretty much gonna wrap it up for this one I like some kind of rambling on sorry about that y'all but uh, Well yeah, y'all have a good day, good week, good evening, good nights, whatever the case may be. Um, Always remember, you know, be kind to others, do good, be good, do better, Um, take care of yourselves mentally, physically, everything across the board, and yeah, make sure to take some time for yourself. Read some manga, watch some anime, and until next time, I'll catch y'all in the next one. Bye. Peace.